Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live this morning from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And we're coming off of just an absolutely glorious wedding here on campus just last night. The ceremony was held to the west of Armstrong Auditorium. And then the reception was on the Grand Mall, the the large lawn in front of the auditorium. And obviously, every wedding ceremony in the Philadelphia Church of God has so much depth and meaning. It's incredibly inspiring and always quite emotional for me and I'm sure for plenty of other people too. Uh, Just knowing the symbolism of that, knowing the way that God wants marriages to work, you, you can look at Ephesians 5 and really gain so much value just from that one passage about marriage. And that's what the wedding ceremony mainly quotes from. Last night also during the reception, during the toast portion, late theologian and educator Herbert W. Armstrong was mentioned, I believe, two or three different times. So I do think that's uh, quite an interesting point, just how how much God's end time Elijah has impacted so many church members, so many people around the entire world, that so many things we're going through in this life, many decades after Mr. Armstrong died, really do relate to and remind us of what Mr. Armstrong went through, what he did, what he accomplished, the trials and tests that he so often had to face as he tried to follow God. Last night, the father of the bride talked about how all men go through struggles, how every family has to deal with problems from time to time, and has to really be bonded close so that they can handle anything that comes their way. And I was thinking the whole time about men like Mr. Armstrong, who faced poverty and job uncertainty for decades. They just went through the gauntlet, you could say. And yet Mr. Armstrong almost always kept his focus he almost always was locked in on the prize the ultimate reward at the end of this physical life Mr. Armstrong at the end of chapter 24 of his autobiography which you can request for free or read for free at thetrumpet.com quotes from Luke 9, verse 62, which says, and this is Christ speaking, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back 
is fit for the kingdom of God. So once God brings us into his work, he gives us jobs to do. We have to keep pushing forward. We have, have to keep plowing, so to speak. Plowing forward. Letting nothing get in the way. No obstacles. No trials. No barriers. No burdens. We should not turn back due to any of those things. No matter how hard they might get. That's what God and Christ command. But Mr. Armstrong had to examine himself in this area at one point in 1931. He actually did get distracted. He did turn away from his calling as a minister of God just for a little bit. He thought it was an open door from God because his salary had been cut off. He obviously needed to provide for his family. He got back into a familiar field. Got back into the newspaper business, the advertising business. And he thought this was what God had provided for him so that he could in turn provide for his family. He had to learn the hard way though. Sometimes what appear to be open doors from God are actually closed doors. Maybe like a clear glass screen door in the bright sunlight. Maybe sometimes those are actually invisible to us. Some of us have probably accidentally run into a screen door because we didn't think a door was there. So it looks like an open door, but once we run into that door, we very much find out it actually is a closed door. Mr. Armstrong did experience this, though. He was really a highly sought-after adver advertising man, probably the best in the country back in the 1920s and 1930s. I really don't think that's an exaggeration. You can read so much in the autobiography for, about how much he accomplished in this area, how he turned people who were completely stonewalling him, absolutely adamant against advertising with him, to being his greatest supporters, to being his most enthusiastic customers. He knew the art of persuasion. He knew how to get results. That was the most important thing. And so when Mr. Armstrong was struggling, whenever he was out of a paycheck from his, his real calling as a minister, of course, when someone is desperately pleading with him to come back into the newspaper business to help out, Mr. Armstrong, of course, is going to maybe be a bit tempted by that. Mr. Armstrong wrote very bluntly about his mistake of taking this offer. There was a newspaper in Astoria, Oregon, called The Morning Messenger, and it had just gotten started right during the Great Depression. And this newspaper didn't have any money. So the man who was asking Mr. Armstrong to come help out said, why don't you just come back for one month? Just one month. We just need your help getting this newspaper 
more firmly established, maybe picking up advertising a little bit so that we have more financial security. It's only going to take one month. You see, that does seem like a reasonable and appealing offer. (laughs) It does seem like something that would maybe fill the gaps in between Mr. Armstrong's paychecks as a minister. So he did accept. This really was, as Mr. Armstrong called it, a matter of life and death to this other man, Sam Hopkins. It really was urgent. And of course, Mr. Armstrong always had a big heart, always wanted to help out. That was part of what made him so popular as an advertiser. He wasn't out there looking to take advantage of his business partners. He always tried to give more than he got back, knowing that he would also be rewarded if he gave a lot to his customers. So he accepted this job. He went down to Astoria, Oregon, and he did think it was an open door from God. Chapter 26 of the autobiography, though, is titled Caught in Newspaper Business Trap. Mr. Armstrong references 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, how ministers of God have to stick with that job in season and out of season. This has to be every minister's primary focus. There can't be side hustles necessarily, at least for those ministers who are employed and paid by the church. That is a full-time job, absolutely. Even if there is a bit of a gap between the paychecks like Mr. Armstrong had to experience. But Mr. Armstrong goes to Astoria and he realizes It's a huge, huge mission to try to get this morning messenger newspaper on track. Way bigger than a one-month commitment. In fact, this commitment locked him in for 15 months. The problem was a rival newspaper had paid most of the businesses in town or had had a contract made up with most of the businesses in town that all of those businesses would would only advertise with their paper. For five years, they had exclusive contracts with the rival newspaper. Obviously, this would make it extremely difficult for the morning messenger paper to start really much of any advertising clientele at all. And the the other problem with this was the rival paper had some higher-up employees or, or workers, pretty much those in charge, actually, who were not above blackmailing their own clients. You know, writing articles that would be 
extremely negative toward their clients if their clients decided to advertise with anybody else. Because technically this contract, this type of contract, was illegal. These businesses should have been allowed to advertise with anybody. This rival paper also flipped the concept of advertising upside down. They made it seem like advertising is more of a burden to the businesses and that advertising is really a a way for a business to support the local paper. The business just pays the paper for these ads just to support that paper. That's all it's for. Not to actually get results, not to actually increase sales. The paper didn't really have any intention of giving anything back to the businesses advertising with them. Now, of course, Mr. Armstrong viewed advertising very differently. He actually wanted to give his clients a reason, a real benefit for advertising with him. That, that's the whole idea of capitalism or the free flow of goods and services. Both parties are supposed to benefit in some way. Businesses shouldn't be paying for advertising just to support a newspaper. They should be able to receive a nice return from that. Especially when we're talking about carnal human beings, people who really are thinking of themselves first much of the time, there should be some kind of incentive, some kind of reward in a contract like this, but there wasn't in in the case of this rival newspaper. And all these businesses were actually afraid to break these illegal contracts because they didn't want to get blackmailed. They didn't want the newspaper digging into their personal lives, their sins in private, and publishing them on the front page. That is hard to deal with. That's something Mr. Armstrong had to confront while he was on this newspaper detour, in this newspaper business trap. See, much more than just a one-month commitment. Now, Mr. Armstrong does take quite a bit of time right in the middle of chapter 26 here just to give the inside facts about advertising. He, he really does show his extensive knowledge and understanding about the advertising business. And I think that's important for us to understand because so many of the men God uses in his work really could be successful in just about any other field they applied themselves to. Mr. Armstrong actually was an outstanding success outside of doing God's work. In fact, he employed a lot of the lessons that he learned in these other fields to God's work. And God's work did grow about 30% 
every single year for 30 years in a row at one point. How could you ever even think of another business that has ever achieved anything like that? And so much of the credit for that, beyond being primarily to God, also has to go to Mr. Armstrong's expertise, his skill set. He knew how to present God's truth in a way that was plain, that was clear, that was engaging, that almost felt like a heart-to-heart talk with the other person, with any listener, any reader. He, he had a way of connecting directly to someone else's mind. Any of you who have listened to the World Tomorrow radio broadcast or watched the television broadcast or have read his articles in the Good News or the Plain Truth magazines or his coworker and member letters, you know what I'm talking about. Because Mr. Armstrong really experienced it all, not just in business, but in life. That's how he was able to be such a useful instrument in God's hands in doing the work. He knew from cold, hard experience, from the many facts that he accumulated throughout his life, how to deal with any situation that came up in the work. And he knew how to deal with this newspaper situation too. As hard as it was, as impossible as it seemed on the surface, he did employ some of the laws of success. He, he specifically mentions the fifth, through seven, the, the fifth through seventh laws of success. You can study all about all seven in his free booklet available at thetrumpet.com, The Seven Laws of Success. But he does talk about the fifth one being resourcefulness. You know, when a situation seems impossible, when it really appears that you're at a dead end, finding a way to achieve your goal anyway. And then, obviously related to that, the sixth law of perseverance. Blasting through every barrier. Continuing to plow ahead right through any obstacle, breaking those obstacles to pieces, not taking no for an answer. During that wedding last night, uh, one of the actually the father of the groom relayed some advice that really changed the groom's life. It was just seven words: "Don't make excuses, just go for it." That's what we all need to try to do in our individual lives and in our families in supporting God's work, whatever it might be. Just go for it. If you have already determined that it's the right goal, if you know it's worthwhile, just go for it. Push right through. I've mentioned before how PCG Pastor General Gerald Flurry is also a really strong example of this. 
he is tasked with making decisions that really could determine success or failure for God's work. And he has to be discerning of God's will. He has to know if these are these if various opportunities are actually open doors or if they just seem like it. But once an open door is discerned, he sprints right through it. And the rest of us just have to do the same in support. Just go through the open door. And even if there's some clutter in the way of the door, even if it does take a little bit of effort to go through the door, blast in there. So, Mr. Armstrong was rejected by all of these various businesses in the town. They didn't want to advertise with him because they didn't want to get blackmailed. They were afraid to break their contracts with the rival newspaper. So Mr. Armstrong found a business here and there, a merchant that really never advertised at all. And he presented such a great deal to that merchant that finally this no advertising merchant became really an avid client of Mr. Armstrong. Mr. Armstrong was continually doubling their sales. Mr. Armstrong showed them how to have high turnover of goods, sell at a discount, and keep on selling at lower and lower prices. Meanwhile, Mr. Armstrong would write advertisements for them, convincing the men of the town to go and spend their money there in the midst of a depression. And he told these men of the town, look, if you go buy at this, at this merchant's clothing store, they'll be able to keep the prices low for you. These temporary sale prices could become permanent prices. Every day you could experience the same type of sale. And especially as you are trying to save as much money as possible during this depression, during this economic collapse, here we have excellent deals for you. And really this this made his clients so happy. Mr. Armstrong brought joy to his client. And even at one point, Mr. Armstrong was recruited by a rival clothing store in the town. And he didn't give that rival quite as good of an advertising deal because they had rejected him at first. And Mr. Armstrong had pledged that exclusive low-price advertising deal to the initial clothing store he worked with. But he did start advertising for the other store. And then the initial store owner the one who was getting the better deal got angry that Mr. Armstrong was advertising for the rival. And Mr. Armstrong said, fine, I will go over there and I'll give him that deal if you don't want to work with me anymore. And so finally, this store owner sprinted out in front of Mr. Armstrong and blocked his path before he could leave the leave the building. And he was hugging Mr. Armstrong and crying and apologizing 
for even threatening to cut off business with him to end their advertising agreement. He knew full well how much Mr. Armstrong working with him had benefited his business, and he couldn't bear to let that slip away. Now, this is really just amazing uh, <laughs> to read to read about this. Um, Mr. Armstrong described it this way. Mr. Carson showed surprising and amazing athletic ability in scampering behind the counters to the front door before I could get there. He darted into the doorway, blocked it, holding up both hands. And then he told Mr. Armstrong, I have loved you like a son. I didn't mean what I said. Amazing. The impact Mr. Armstrong had because he put his clients first, because he tried to give to them, knowing that the more successful those businesses were, the higher amount of money they'd be making in revenue at the newspaper. They'd be making the same percentage of sales from these businesses, but if the business doubles the sale, then the profit for the newspaper also doubles. Mr. Armstrong understood how business worked. He wasn't brutal and cutthroat like a lot of advertisers of the time. He wasn't a liar. He told the whole truth. And yet he still got the best results. The problem was this was still a newspaper trying to get established in the middle of the Depression. And the impact Mr. Armstrong made with the few businesses in the town that actually felt comfortable enough to not have business with the rival paper, that was, that was really important to the success of this newspaper. It became so important that if Mr. Armstrong left, then 23 employees of this newspaper would be laid off. The whole newspaper would have fallen apart if Mr. Armstrong left after just one month. So he didn't want to counteract a wrong decision, this veering off course from the ministry with another wrong decision, costing dozens of people their livelihoods. And that's why he had to stay longer than one month, longer than what he had initially bargained for. So you can see he really does have a heart. He really does care about other people and doesn't want to make decisions that devastate the lives of other people. He didn't want 23 people to go unemployed just because he was planning on leaving the paper after one month. So instead of leaving by December, 31st, by December of 1931, he actually ended up staying until February 1933. This is the lesson Mr. Armstrong learned about focus, though. He learned that God had called him into the ministry, and he shouldn't have taken this detour. And, you, you know, it reminds me of Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek you first the kingdom of God 
whatever our role is in the work, whatever God is expecting us to do, we have to also put that as our very top priority. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time 